Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm speaking with Lori Bond Sadapur. Now, this is just an absolutely fascinating and pathful conversation we're going to have today. Lori speaks about her childhood growing up with a mother who suffered from mental illness. And that mental illness that she suffered from was, at the time, called paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, we talk about how it's it's mostly just schizophrenia with, with different subsets now, if, if you will. But... It, this is a, a conversation that kind of covers the difficulties she experienced in her life because of her mom's mental illness. It's about the struggles she had uh, getting proper treatment and care for her mother within the system and some of the breakdowns and uh, places where the system failed her and her mother. It's about how this whole process impacted her life as a whole. You know, she spent a good chunk of her life kind of hiding her mother's mental illness and hiding that side of, of herself, trying to cover for her mom. And when her mom would say something that uh, would, you know, scare other people, frankly, you know, she tried to, you know, kind of tamper it down and, and, uh, and make excuses. Um, she spent a lot of her time trying to make sure that her mother was in a a home or or a, a center that was going to uh, be adequate for her. She spent a lot of time, you know, worrying about her mother's well-being. Um, just it, it was something that impacted her life even beyond childhood. And she she speaks to me about this because she wrote a book that talks a lot about uh, this uh, this impact in her life. And, uh, and her book was called The Voices We Couldn't Hear. Um, it's, uh, it's all about her mother's story and, you know, her role in that story. Uh, we're going to touch on just so much. We'll, we'll start kind of with, with mental illness as a whole. We'll talk about exactly what schizophrenia is. We'll talk about the impacts in her life. We'll talk about uh, some of the, the failures in the mental health system. Uh, we're going to talk about why there's so much stigma around mental health. You know, mental health is a is an illness. It's a disease, just like anything else. Just like having a heart condition or or uh, you know diabetes or or anything else. But uh, we look at it as, as something very very different. So we'll talk about those stigmas. We'll talk about the writing process and how this book ultimately allowed her to uh, to heal and, and close those chapters on her life and, and that helped her you know have a better relationship with her her husband have a better relationship with you know the world as a whole when she didn't feel like she was kind of guarding and hiding um, all of this um, you know all this impact that she she had experienced uh, we're going to talk about how you know the the final stages of her mother's life and how she kind of was, became closer to her through uh, through some some things that happened, um, but uh, I think that you're really really going to find this uh, conversation a, a really really impactful one. Uh, we can we can all learn a lot from it. I think we all know somebody who experiences mental health issues, and and you know that may be a family member, a friend, and it, it may be your, yourself. So I think uh, this is a, a really really uh, powerful conversation. Here is Lori Bond Sadapur. I'm here today with Lori Sadapur. Ms. Sadapur, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're just going to dive right in. I want you to kind of introduce yourself and then introduce your your book. And the book's called The Voices We Couldn't Hear. Yes, thank you uh, again for the opportunity. So um, my name's Lori Sadapur, and I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia uh, as a child. I moved around a lot. Uh, but I consider, you know, Alexandria to really be my home base uh, because that's where I spent most of my time as a as a young child. I wrote the voices we couldn't hear. It's a memoir, uh, a story, a personal story about my life and of my mother's, uh, who suffered from uh, debilitating paranoid schizophrenia. 
And uh, all of my life, I sheltered and tried to hide and run away from this difficult um, life that I uh, I was I was in. And uh, up until now, you know, I decided that there was just so much missing from my life, um, from the the secrets. And I, I don't want to say so much the lies, but I, I felt like I was living two separate lives because I would hide and try to, um, you know, um, avoid speaking about family, about my real life situation uh, to others. And I just didn't know what was normal, what wasn't normal. I knew that my life wasn't normal hmm. and that I was dealing with uh, a tough situation, uh, having to deal with uh, mom with mental health issues and really uh, uh, lacking a support, being estranged from family and um, having to deal with growing up myself hmm. and learning what to do with, with my life and trying to help my mother in, on the way. Uh, was a was a very challenging time for me. So I just decided um, that I would write about it and tell all as a um, really uh, for my own healing and closure uh, to all of the the things that we we had to endure and suffer. and and that's what it's uh, what it's it's been about for me personally. My background, uh, I never went to college. Um, I, you know, excelled, uh, through hard work and determination, uh, you know, just, uh, trying to prove myself, uh, to others and to, um, offices. I was, uh, I had managed a, uh, dental practice, a specialty practice for over 20 years with very high end, uh, you know, clientele. So I learned a lot of skills, uh, to get me through. Uh, but I've always been in that survival mode hmm. all of my life, having to work harder, I felt, than others to achieve the very basics hmm. uh, that one uh, one deserves to achieve in their life. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little bit about myself. Yeah, and I, I, I want to unpack quite a bit of, of what you said. And I want to start just at the very basics and this may be a really difficult question because, you know, I, neither one of us are, are doctors, so I don't necessarily want to, you know, dive into it at a deep level. But for people who don't know, they've just heard the word, you know, paranoid schizophrenia kind of at a, you know, thousand foot level. What what does that mean? What is that? So paranoid schizophrenia is a uh, mental uh, mental health uh, issue. Um, it's mental illness. Uh, on an extreme level, it's one of the worst kinds uh, because there is uh, delusions, there is uh, you know uh, visions uh, that uh, the the schizophrenic sees. Uh, there are different realities uh, to for them that are not uh, real. Um, so delusions, they, this is what they live with. And so I've had to, as a small child, I've had to uh, deal with knowing that my mother lived in a different world than everyone else, and that she would perceive something, an, a, a nice gesture from someone, uh, if they're bringing flowers to the house. I knew that at the end of the day, she would think they're trying to poison us, or she would think that uh, this was a bad omen. Um, so I had to live knowing that there were two different lives that I was living simultaneously. There was this evil, uh, you know, uh, life that my mother was suffering through. And then there was the normal one. And I'm sitting right outside the door of it. So it's, it's a terrible, debilitating disease, uh, and illness, um, that, um, uh, they still don't uh, understand. And again, as you pointed out, I'm no doctor, uh, but through the experience, there is no cure for it. They have medications. Um, but once once a person with uh, with this disease, with this illness, gets to an advanced stage, it's very hard to um, 
to talk them into medications because the you know the thought process from them is that someone is out to harm them and if you can get past that and get them on medication and stabilize them mentally then people can live normal lives but that wasn't the case for my mother she had reached a far advanced stage where there was really uh you know no way to help her with medication unless she was forced to take it and this is where the system failed me and my family because um you know we were minors and we she was given the medication which she refused to take and she you know could not be forced to take it so we were in limbo we had the help but the law protected her and said she has these rights uh that she can choose not to accept treatment um so um that was that was the struggle throughout my uh childhood is that yes there was help for her but she didn't accept it and as years went by she just declined uh mentally she declined and uh, it it got to the point where it really wasn't going to help her at all at that point to try to get her on medication and when i was old enough i uh i spoke to a few people and and got some advice some good advice to uh try to uh become her guardian to make decisions for her knowing that she couldn't make uh sound decisions for herself she wanted to be on the street she didn't want to be in the apartment she didn't want to be in our home anymore because of the voices that you know they they were just um they were tormenting her and she felt safer outside on the streets and um she had a home but she was homeless and so i decided to um seek help from uh from, from you know legally and so i became her guardian uh it was a very difficult process because there are a lot of people that don't have good intentions and uh the court systems know that but after reviewing my case and seeing that she she didn't own a home she didn't own property she didn't own you know a big bank account she had nothing but a bag of clothes that's all she owned and a small social security check they realized this is pretty pretty straightforward and allowed me to become her guardian to make decisions for her um and uh, i think that others out there that suffer the same fate aren't so lucky because if their uh loved one owns property or you know has a trust or has more assets they're probably going to have to um you know really uh work very very hard to uh earn the trust of a judge to allow them guardianship to make those choices that uh the mentally ill really can't make for themselves mm-hmm. and it it causes trauma in in the whole family when uh when you're dealing with situations like that that's why i think this book is um not only was it for my own healing and um closure but i think that it also reaches out to a community uh that has suffered similar situations like myself that don't know what to do that have reached roadblocks and uh that just the the system is designed um not really you know they have systems in place to to help you but they're overwhelmed these uh these institutions are overwhelmed and under uh under you know financed they don't have enough resources to really focus on the needs of each family and you're really uh, out there needing to advocate for yourself and the more information that you know uh the better because these are these are things that will happen to families and they'll reach roadblocks and what ends up happening is the uh ill 
the mentally ill will end up on the streets or using, you know, drugs or something more serious uh, because sometimes paranoid schizophrenia can be, um, can be violent. Some, some of the uh, people who suffer from, from this illness, uh, there is violence involved. And luckily with my mother, there wasn't, although there were, there were thoughts of violence. Um, she was uh, almost uh, in a state of possession, if you will. She saw demons and she heard voices telling her to do things, to throw things in the trash, to get rid of the electricity in the house, to, to cook food that's completely rotten from the trash can, um, to ignore animals that have died under the house that are decaying and, and smell the smell of rot. The voices command her to do and to think and it goes against everything that's logical in life. And so this is a um a level of suffering that I can't even I can't even begin to, you know, explain. Uh and and uh I know that there are people out there that have this these similar situations. And what uh most of the time ends up happening is the families uh become estranged with their loved ones because they don't they just can't live uh, with with those conditions. It's too scary. It's too dangerous. It's uh, hurtful. It's it's very very painful. And so um, I would I would say that uh, we have a system. We have a government system that can do more. Um, and I would like to uh, start advocating for this type of service for 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 service you know for families uh because i do know that the the government is underfunded in these areas and overwhelmed and you know individ you can you can point fingers and blame social uh service uh people and you know the the caretakers and the the people that are there working full time most of the cases are they're working overtime and they're not willing to pay overtime for these employees that are helping families. And there's an emergency with a family member at 8 PM. Well, there's no one to call. There's no one on, on duty. Um, you'll have to call in the morning. And by that someone could be dead. Um, you know, the hospitals aren't designed to take care of mentally ill people patients, although they do have some, some hospitals have uh, a, a ward, you know, a section for, you know, severely mentally ill that are uh, in a position where they might harm themselves or, or others, but they can only hold them for 24 hours. And so I've been, I've, I've done all of that. I've been down that road and I know the system very well. Um, and that's another topic in itself that we could really dive into and, and um, uh, I have some, you know, great ideas. Unfortunately, it's it's reaching the right people to try uh, to try to um, uncover a lot of uh, a lot of these ideas and uh, try to reach common ground and understanding of what is it that these families truly need. So having uh, having medication, giving them a prescription giving them, you know, uh, an appointment to see a medical, uh, you know, psychiatrist is a good, a great start, but it's, it's just not enough because mental illness is a very serious uh, illness and it, it takes a lot more uh, to assist a family in, in those types of needs. So I want to bring awareness. I do want to bring awareness to this. It's dear to my heart. Um, my mother passed away three years ago, and that's what really compelled me to write this book because I felt that I needed to be her voice, that I needed to speak about this, something that I was so ashamed of all of my life. Hmm. Yeah, and we talk, you know, you're talking about how, you know, the the struggles with, the system and then obviously the struggles that you dealt with with your mom and kind of the feeling of of helplessness on making sure that the system provides adequate care 
you know, the helplessness of kind of understanding, you know, some of the things that were happening with your mom. So I just wonder on your side of things, what, I mean, what did that do to, to your own mental health? And, and, you know, I just feel like that was a, a constant battle and that's, that's probably why you've written the book, but I want to talk a little bit about you through this process and what that's done, done to you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you, Jackson, for that. Uh, it, it is, there's a lot of, um, events, unfortunate events, uh, that have occurred, uh, as, as, a, as I grew up, uh, in this, uh, in this situation, in this environment. Uh, it was terrible on my self-esteem. Um, I had no, um, faith in myself. I was very insecure. Everyone said to me, oh, you're such a beautiful girl. You know, you're this, you're that, but I didn't see myself that way. I felt, I, 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 I saw myself as worthless because I was, um, I was not truthful about who I was and what I was going through. I had to, I had to hide it. So I had to put on a, a a happy face that wasn't so happy inside. And I had to be strong and pretend. And, uh, and it really, uh, psychologically, it, it affected me to the point that I started using drugs. Um, I was, um, I was uh, placed in juvenile, you know, confinement uh, because I started to lash out. I started to um, become a real uh, problem child uh, as I got older. And as I got older, the less uh, the less help that I got because I was an older child now, and so I didn't get as much consideration. As I was, I, as I was getting as a younger child, so life became more and more difficult for me. And as a result of that, I, I turned to drugs, alcohol. Um, I started running. I lived in I can't even count how many group homes and foster homes I was in and out of. Most of them threw me out, um, and uh, the ones that didn't, I ran away from. So that was my life. And uh, in between all of that and trying to go to school just didn't happen for me. So there were a lot of breakdowns within my life. And um, it, uh, you know, it, it got to the point where I realized after I became an adult and my mother was so far advanced in her illness that she now had signs of dementia and Alzheimer's. And once that happened and she was on the streets and I was living, you know, I, I rented a room trying to get my life back together, having a full-time job, I, I felt guilty. I could not move forward with my life knowing that she was in that condition. So I spent uh, most of my young adult life uh, trying to get her into a facility where she was safe and all of her uh, medical uh, needs were met, and you know, just basic day-to-day -day, uh, life skills were were available to her, and that's what I did. I pushed and I put her on uh, uh, waiting lists, and I advocated for her, and I finally got her institutionalized uh, for years, and um, and that was uh, safe to a certain point. Um, but you know, I just never gave up. Well, I mean, I, I think that from what I'm hearing, obviously it, it, it put a big impact on you, but I, I, it sounds like she was extremely, extremely lucky to, to have you advocating for her because like you said, it's a lot of people that, that aren't getting that. So I, I think you should give yourself a lot of credit yes. there. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I also, uh, just to add to that, you know, the problems didn't go away once she wasn't institutionalized she would run away from there herself hmm. and so they had to put a they had to put a brace on her as a runaway high risk um she was always trying to come back to me and um so there was always the challenges even as she aged even even as she progressed in her illness there was the next set of challenges 
So it was always through my childhood, through my adult life, she was a, a person, my mother, that I had to take care of all of my life. So I think in the beginning, had things really, had 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 services really been available to help her earlier on, I don't think it would have gotten to that point. It really wouldn't have. I think it's so important for people and for your for your listeners uh, to know that early stages is the most important stages to tackle this illness because it will help in the future and it will uh, prevent a lot of damaging and uh, uh, you know problems that are not reversible in the future. And um, so I think that that's a that's a big undertaking for anybody to have to deal with, uh, but to put more effort into that area uh, in the beginning uh, to get services to push for them, uh, to advocate for your loved one, and not to give up and to keep seeking uh, those services through government um, agencies, local agencies, um, asking questions, things that I really didn't know what to do because you know as a child you look at these people and you say oh my god they know what they're doing they're professionals and you know as a child looking at an adult in that position you think that they are really they've got it together and they know exactly what to do for you but that's not so uh so that would be my takeaway from this yeah and and, you know we're talking about some of the shortcomings within within the system. And I think some of it also just leads back to, I guess, the the stigmas behind mental illness. And, you know, you talked about some of your own journey in, in addiction. The stigmas behind addiction is is there too. I think that's why we have trouble sometimes finding the, you know, the funding because of the stigma. When somebody has a mental illness, it's really, I mean, it's the same type of, of thing as if somebody has a heart condition, but we look at it, so much differently. I just Absolutely. want. I just wonder why, if you have any idea why you think that's the case. And then also, I know that you're you have ideals about the the one side. So I wonder what 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 your thoughts are of, of how we can, I guess, change those stigmas. Yeah, that's a great great question and uh, one that is uh, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, stigma of mental illness is definitely out there. Uh, when people are not comfortable with something, they tend to shy away from it. They tend to avoid it. And dealing with someone with mental health issues, mental illness, is something that people shy away from because they they don't understand it. They don't know how to deal with it. It's foreign to them. And they're viewed as cast-offs. They're viewed as um, crazy people. Um, it's scary to some people. And I think there needs to be a better understanding of how to approach someone with mental illness, um, how to, uh, you know, um, ease the stigma of, you know, the insecurities and and the safety issues with people that have these conditions. Um, You know, like I said, there are so many different levels of mental illness. There's depression, there's you know, bipolar, uh, there are all sorts of uh, things that are out there. But paranoid schizophrenia is probably one of the worst uh, because it's linked to it's linked to murder. It's linked to violence. And so people do have to understand and be educated what makes these people tick, what uh, how to deal with them. Why can't we uh, approach them? And, you know, there's a flip side to it. People have to feel safe. People have to know that they're safe. So it's a it's a conversation to be had. Um, and I don't lessen how anyone feels about any situation. If you're scared, you're scared. Uh, but I think knowledge is power. And the more we know and understand about mental health issues and mental illness, the better we are. Uh, to face and to deal with them. They're in our homes, our family members. We may know a friend, a loved one, a cousin, grandparents that have suffered through this. 
and knowledge, uh, knowing that, you know, the illness, understanding it, um, is, is very helpful. So I think it should be an open conversation about illness. And also, you know, there's a lot of movies there. There's a lot of Hollywood that depicts, uh, uh, people that suffer from, uh, paranoid schizophrenia or schizophrenia. They don't really even call it paranoid schizophrenia anymore. They only call it, you know, just schizophrenia because there's different, uh, you know, tiers of, of schizophrenia. They, Hollywood has really, um, uh, promoted uh, the fear in a lot of people with these types of illnesses. And so when we have, you know, Hollywood against uh, mental illness, when we have, you know, stories, scary stories that uh, portray illnesses like this in such a dangerous and scary way, uh, it doesn't help. Uh, with the the stigmas that are out there. That's where they come from. They come from storytelling. They come from other people's experiences. And I think that if we if we look at it differently from a more educational uh, perspective, I think we'll we'll see uh, we'll see these humans that just need help. They are uh, traumatized. They're tormented in their own bodies, and we have the means to help them. Yeah. And, you know, when we're kind of shifting to the book, I just wonder, you talked about earlier how you spent a, a great deal of your life kind of, I, I guess the, the word would be kind of hiding, hiding your past and hiding some of the things that were happening. So what was your journey to, to, from the point of hiding these things to now writing a book and, you know, sharing it with others and being on podcasts like this? Cause that had to be quite the, uh, quite the journey. It was, it was a, an incredible, um, burden that was lifted off of me um and that's the the only way that's the best way that it describes uh, what i had to deal with when my mother was dying uh, she was in hospice and i brought her home to die at home uh, at, at the end of her life and it allowed me to reflect on so many different things in so many different ways um she was now now nonverbal laying in bed. And I think we had the best relationship those last two years of her life uh, because it was nonverbal. She wasn't able to jump up and, you know, go down the street and almost get hit by a car and, and do erratic things that she did that I had to always be so, so careful of. Um, I was no longer having to fear that she would say something in a group of, uh, you know, around my friends that would spook them you know, or or look a certain way, a gaze, a very strange and scary gaze. And someone would say something and she would just continue that gaze and it would make it so awkward for me. And I would have to like, you know, try to figure out how to change that mood and, and pretend and, you know, try to divert attention somewhere else. I was all, I was constantly doing that. I wasn't enjoying my life. And for the last two years, as you, you know, your, your question coming back to that, I had so much time to reflect on all of that. And I said, what is, what is all of the hiding? What is all of the, why didn't I just scream out for help? Maybe, you know, my perception of people and, and my embarrassment kept me from, from getting some help some of the help that I actually needed. Um, but I couldn't get past it because of the trauma earlier on, which is in my book, uh, of my mother, my father, you know, abuses that I uh, endured being, you know, a child that fended for herself. Um, but I had that time to reflect. And that is when I said, it is time to heal from this. She is laying here in bed. She's dying. She's now looking at me and we have this communication that I've never had with my mother through our, our eyes, through our touch, uh, through changing her diaper and extracting her poop. It was, it was just something that I did for the last two years of her life. And I said, something good has to come out of this. I have, you know, my, my book is, um, uh, has a little bit of, um, uh, spirituality in it as well uh, that I dive into 
that allows me to reason with the things that happened and the reason why I had to do them. Um, so uh, I, I feel like uh, that was my closure. And, uh, and once I was able to decide that I was going to open up and tell all, this is, uh, this is where the healing started for me. And, uh, and I wish there were so many things that were done differently. I wish I had done so many things differently. But looking back, how could I have? I was seven years old. I was nine years old. I was 11 years old. I was asking too much of myself. And it is what it is. But I would, uh, I would just say that, uh, yes, this book at the end has, has, uh, has closed the doors for me and has allowed me to heal from this. And it, I want to take it further. Um, I don't know in the future I'm considering, um, you know, possibly uh, creating a movie from this book. Um, I don't know if that will, will happen. Uh, but we will have to wait and see uh, if that's something that is is a possibility in the near future for this book. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I normally I ask the question, you know, when people write about their lives, how they how they did it. If if the book they found as therapeutic, if they found it as you know just somebody else's life, just to get it down on paper so others could read. You've talked a, a lot about how it was really therapeutic for you. So I wonder what you hope that the the readers get from it. Is it you know to to learn from your your journey and um, you know I guess find their own strength and perseverance through different things? Is it more? Um, I, I guess I, th th that's that's the ultimate question. What do you hope that that uh, the readers learn from your book? Yeah, thank you, uh, Jackson, for that. I um, I really hope that. Through me opening up, through all of the, the the suffering and all of the embarrassments, uh, all of the difficult uh, times that I had, uh, that I never that I handled it the way that I did, I would hope that whoever reads this book can find the strength and courage to open up earlier on, to to make people aware of what they are going through what they're suffering, to reach out for help, not to be embarrassed about it. This is, this, is, uh, this is life. This is what life has dealt me. And this is what life will, will you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, pass on to someone else. And they'll have to suffer the same, uh, the same uh, you know, events that I had to suffer through, you know, loved ones, uh, you know, going through mental illness. But my my ultimate um, uh, recommendation and and hope that someone gets out of this book is the strength to be vocal, uh, almost as 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 an activist, if you will, um, about this issue, and to cry out for help, and and not try to take it on yourself, and not be embarrassed about it. There's nothing to be embarrassed about having someone with mental illness, it's not your fault. And I always thought it was my fault. I always thought I was, my, my family was cursed. And so I didn't open up. And as a result, um, you know, I suffered even more because I may have gotten more help if I, if I had been more vocal. The bottom line is, is that it doesn't hurt to try doesn't hurt to try and to, um, uh, you know, seek out as many resources as possible. Yeah. That's my advice. Yeah. So through writing it, you you talked a lot about closure. Did you, I guess, what did that process look like? Was it truly, okay, I've got it down on paper. I can kind of close that chapter of my life. I can, I can do that. Um, or was it, you know, opening up old wounds and, and having to kind of really examine them and figure out, you know, your, your true feelings behind it. So I wonder whether it was just that perfect closure or whether it was a little more struggle than that. It was all of those things. <laughs> it was, uh, it was a struggle to write uh, this book. There were days where I would, it would take me 
three months to get through one chapter. There were other days where I was just on a roll and my memory allowed me to keep going. There were days that I cried just writing uh, chapters of this book. I just couldn't stop the tears from flowing down my face. Uh, and I still tear up when I talk about, you know, stories and different tragedies that occurred along the way in my life. That was that was part of the healing process is tearing myself back down, facing those uh, those horrible things that happened to us and really examining it in my mind and knowing that there's always other ways to handle things. The way that I handled it, this this was the end result. And maybe through someone else's uh, perception or, um, you know, reading this book, maybe they can have a better understanding of, well, maybe if I did this, or maybe she shouldn't have done that, maybe she should have, should have done this, and she could have had a better outcome. It, it, it gets us to critical thinking, especially if you're one that is suffering from uh, from mental illness or have, you know, family members. It'll get you uh, really thinking about different avenues. And that was also the objective uh, for this book is to allow others to read my experiences, my failures, my suffering, my struggle. And in the end, uh, this book ended with my mother's death. So it was a lifetime for me through her life uh, from the time that I remember to the time of her death of having to deal with her illness. And I can see, you know, so many others giving up and straying and not knowing where their family is because they just can't handle it. They can't deal with it. But there are certain, certainly options. And so the end of the book, uh, through the book, writing it was a struggle. It was painful. It was traumatizing again. It opened up wounds for me that, you know, I didn't even, I buried so deeply times when I was raped, times when I was, you know, uh, treated uh, so badly. I buried, I suppressed that information, those memories, and having to write about it. It was just, it was just picking a scab and it bleeding all over again. And so, um, but I knew that I had to get through this in order to get to my final destination, which is the end of the book, which is where I felt now I have it down. Now I've, I've been my voice and I've been my mother's voice who could never get the right help because she couldn't, she was ill. Now I'm her voice. Now everyone knows what happened to her. And there's also history of her her growing up and what she um, experienced as a child. I thought that that was helpful to understand where she came from and what she suffered as you know a child herself to, to better understand why she did the things that she did and how she got to where she got. And it's interesting because I also mention in the book uh, different uh, occasions where it started to become apparent that she was mentally ill. No one saw it. No one understood it. And a lot of people dismissed her because she was Hispanic and had a very heavy accent, had a very heavy English accent. So when she would say things, they would say, well, she... Maybe she doesn't understand English very well, but I understood what her thought process was, and it was of someone very psychotic. But things were dismissed along the way. So I hope, uh, I hope and pray that um, uh, whoever picks up the book uh, will uh, find it uh, helpful and uh, interesting uh, to read, and um, and and come away with something as a result of it. Uh, absolutely. And I want to kind of in, in wrapping things up, you talked about how the, the book kind of led you to your 
your final destination here. And I just wonder what, what now, what, what does life look like? I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, your, your life. Now you've written the book, you've been able to have some of that closure. And then also just to, I guess, to make this question even, even piling even more into it is, you know, we talked earlier how the book is Lori Bond and then your, your married name now is, is Sadapur. So I just wonder what, what that process looked like too, just because the, you, I mean, your lived experience as a young person was very different than most people. And, you know, that always, you, you bring those lived experiences in, into your life and into your relationships. So I wonder what that's, what, what that journey has looked like, because I've talked to a lot of people that had some very, very traumatic things happen to them as, as kids. And, you know, that, that doesn't end, you know, that, that they bring that into their relationships and that creates, that creates some, some journeys and some struggles as well. Yeah, that's a very, uh, very uh, good question. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, I uh, feel after I've written this book and I've gotten the monkey off my back, as they say, I feel that um, I have been able to enjoy things, simple things, much better. I, I have been able to enjoy my relationship with my husband a lot better. It feels... Uh, uh, real now. It didn't feel so real before because there was something inside of me that no one else knew. There were these horrible secrets and horrible things that no one knew. Now that it's out in the open, I really feel uh, things are, things feel better to me. Things feel more normal. Uh, this is a story. This is what happened. I lived through it. And, um, I embrace it now, and I thank my mother for the lessons and for my life. I'm grateful. I try to stay in a state of gratitude because, uh, you know, I'm not the only person that has gone through traumatic events, and I, I put things in perspective. You know, I, I can't continue my life um, feeling sorry for myself or, you know, uh, having these, uh, you know, issues. So I try to be as honest and vocal as possible. And I try to be as kind to others as possible. And, you know, I hold on to my faith. I have a, a Catholic background and that helps me a lot. It helps me uh, stay in the state of grace and, and peace. Uh, I feel like I have more harmony in my life. I still have pains. And I still have thoughts that uh, haunt me, uh, but I, I hold on to those things and I don't suppress them anymore. I allow myself to cry when I need to cry. I allow myself to um, talk about things that I need to talk about. Um, so there's no more hiding. And I think that that has really created a different perspective for me, a different feeling about life in itself. Uh, because things are real now. Things are honest and open. And I can breathe better. Oh, I, I, I love that. And I think there's so much more that that we could talk about. There's so much more of your your story that, that can, can be shared. And, and you did share within your book. So tell people how they can find the voices we couldn't hear. Yes. Thank you, uh, Jackson. So right now I'm self-published. And the, the book is a paperback. Um you can also get it in on ebook, the voices we couldn't hear. You can just go to Amazon.com. Uh, you can uh, click on, uh, you know, type in the voices we couldn't hear, and it will pop right up. Or you can go to my webpage, uh, which is www.thevoiceswecouldnthear.com, uh, and it will have a link take you directly to uh, the Amazon page where you can uh, purchase the book. Um, so thank you for that. I um, I have some contact information on my webpage. If anyone has questions or wants to reach out, any thoughts or any uh, anything like that, I'm, I'm very open to that. So uh, that is also available on my webpage. They can reach out to me that way as well. Yeah, the the links to the book and to your webpage will be in the show notes. Yeah, I, I really, really appreciate your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you so much for the opportunity. 
Um, I really appreciate the time that you've given me. And this is such an important subject. So thank you. So that was Lori Bond Sadapur. Really, really appreciated her time. Learned a ton this week about just the the impact of mental health. Of course, we've talked to a lot of people in the past who have dealt with their own mental health struggles. One of my first interviews was actually with somebody who uh, experiences um, suicidal thoughts and and how he has moved that into, I guess, the world of comedy. So that's that's certainly a, a an interesting one. Uh, but we we haven't talked a ton about the impact that it has on on others and and the caregivers of people who uh, are are dealing with these issues. So I, I appreciate Lori talking to us about that. It was certainly uh, challenging at times. It was an emotional conversation because you know this is this is tough stuff. And and uh, I give. Lori, all the credit in the world for everything that she's she's done in her life um, for her mother. Uh, you know, there's there's tons of people in the world that that don't have uh, don't have a a Lori there advocating for them. So uh, I think that's that can't be discounted at all. Uh, I give her a ton of credit for writing this book and and finally kind of um, conquering those uh, those fears of of being out there and and uh, and sharing her story. And uh, and that story is going to help others. So uh, if, if this is a a, uh, a story that resonates with you and, and something that you think that uh, you can learn uh, more from, I urge you to check out her book. Uh, the link to her book will be in the show notes. Uh, the voices we couldn't hear. Uh, there's a it's on Amazon. It's on her website. If you want to reach out to her directly, she she mentioned that too. So you can find that on her website. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate Lori's time. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't already, go subscribe on Apple on, and on Spotify. Leave a written review on Apple. That helps a ton. Leave a five-star review on Apple and on Spotify. Helps as well. Follow on Instagram, Not Enough Podcast. Not Enough, Jack's Enough on Facebook, jacksenough.com. Lots of places to follow along. You'll want to do that. That way uh, you don't miss any of the other interviews coming up. A lot of amazing guests upcoming and over 175 guests now in the past so urge you to check those out Uh, but if you do nothing else catch us next week take it away chris this has been not in a huff with jackson huff thank you for listening be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or hey maybe even both but until then keep being awesome